Do you think about making dynasty trades even while watching football games? Are you thinking of player values when you should be thinking of family values? Then you may have a trading problem. Don't worry, you're not alone. I am Dynasty Outhouse and I have a trading problem. And I'm Brian Haar and I also have a trading problem. Join us for the Trade Addicts podcast where you can be with like-minded people and talk about everything in the NFL in the context of dynasty trade values. News and notes, make amends, keep trade buys, all these things we will cover every week. And don't forget Trade Addicts trades. So when you're done listening to this fine DLF family podcast, please tune in to the Trade Addicts podcast. Thank you and enjoy your podcast. Do you have the time to listen to me grind? Take down the film watchers and nerds all at once. When the mask's not adding up, you better check it out. I'm working to the ground. That's one of the ways I approach uh, fantasy football. And then, like last year, I talked a little bit about micro markets and like being able to play that hype. One of the one of the really nice things is because I pay attention to so many people doing podcasts, and because I'm on Twitter and I see so many people, you know, you you get like the the hype train, the Kyle Pitts hype train, and whatever. You can go down through and look at DLF's ADP. And look at the guys that you like that aren't being talked about. And all of a sudden, there is, uh, there's a value dip there because the, the, the stock market that, that we play is mostly based on – it's all based on hype right now oh, because yeah. nobody's scoring. <laughs> there are no points in the offense. Yeah. So, so it's all – like all of this is, is hypothetical and hyperbolic. It's all hype. It's this huge – you know, and we get in this echo chamber, especially on Twitter, where you know one person says it, and then another person looks it up, and another person looks it up. the The guy that is going to be in that echo chamber this next week, and I'm I'm going to say this because I have him on uh, every team that I've drafted rookies so far, but it's going to be Jacob Harris, who is a tight end out of uh, L.A. with with the Rams. And he's being listed as a wide receiver. You know, he's a tight end now and he's a tight end on MFL and he's a tight end according to their analytics department. Uh, So they've got their analytics department is actually has hands on and hands on their draft. Uh, And and there was a piece that just came out today or yesterday that has Sarah Bailey, who's in charge of their analytics, quoted as saying that they have taken a look at positions and they've taken a look at what positions hit in later rounds and why and that athletic tight ends are more likely to hit in later rounds people are going to start uh, i've already seen Derek brown debro uh put out a tweet about uh you know about jacob harrison about this article and it's going to start getting out all of a sudden jacob harris is going to have this huge hype train even though he's a rookie tight end drafted in the fourth round who mm-hmm. may or may not have a, a position this year that's, you know, you can kind of get ahead of these. I, I actually told, um, I, I was in a DM with somebody the other day, they were looking at their team and I said, you know, what's the, what's the league set up? And they were like, Oh, it's super flex and it's tight end premium and da, 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 da. And I started looking down through their roster. And I was like, well, I cut this guy and I'd cut this guy and I'd cut this guy. And if it's tight end premium, Go go take a swing on somebody like Jacob Harris. Go take a swing on somebody like Donald Parham, because those are the types of players who can, you know, escalate value 
quickly rather than rather than roster a wide receiver four or five what what are you doing like why bother that why not take a lotto ticket in a tight end premium on one of these guys but. I mean, screw you, Zach. You leave my wide receivers four and fives <laughs> alone. Like I, I was just getting told off by me and John Hogue for doing that. I don't, I don't need you piling <laughs> on. Okay. I just got, I just got a follow back from from Sarah Bailey from the uh, the Rams analytic department. So maybe she's watching. Oh, nice. She probably follows you. I mean, I, I would be I if it. I were if I were in an analytics department. It would be it would be Peter Howard. Oh yeah, number right. one follow. <laughs> You gotta run out and follow uh, that Twitter guy. That's that's what that's what they do. Um, no, I've been hearing more and more about uh, Harris. I haven't been able to get him in my database yet. To be honest with you, I can't find his date of birth. So, <laughs> you know the struggles. <laughs> but yeah, uh, what do you want to talk about today? <laughs> hey, I'm with you. I have been focusing all of my energy on the most important part of dynasty fantasy football, which is uh, making parody songs for the Scott fishbowl and the Potathon. So that's what I've been doing for like the last two weeks. Um, I, I've cranked out six songs in the last five days. My wife, nice. every time we get ready to like go to bed, she's like, you're going to stay downstairs and do a song. Aren't you? I'm like, maybe, <laughs> So. Yeah, yeah, um, that's just a running routine for me at this point. It's like, uh, <laughs> when you go downstairs, it's no longer, are you? <laughs> it's just, I get home, she's like, when you go downstairs, could you take this? <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> but yeah, I really don't know what to talk about. I've been trying to talk about um, one team at a time, get guests on and have them tell me what they think about teams while I work projections. I've just release my seasonal projections um they're always being tweaked and updated for new news obviously i'm about to start get ready to do weekly projections but i thought in the run-up it'd be good to have conversations about different teams but like you you don't even want to talk about the patriots so is there anyone you want to they're fucking terrible like they're, they're not going to be good i just saw a, a tweet today that said damian harris is running with the ones which whatever i've heard that through two years in a row and Sony Michelle always comes out and runs for 800 yards and they're the ugliest 800 yards of the season. Um, like they, they're just, they're not, they're not going to be good for fantasy and they're probably not going to be good for NFL football either. Don't we always say that about the Patriots? See what I'm hearing from you, Zach, is that Bill Belichick isn't very good and it was all Tom Brady. Is that That's what it. you're trying to that is it? Essentially what you're trying to say. That, you can't that. make it without Tom Brady. <laughs> you are a pro quarterback uh, analyst. You think uh, Matthew Stafford's gonna turn everyone to top twelve players at the position and uh, Tom Brady's gonna keep killing it with the Bucks, basically. <laughs> What do you mean? Turn everyone into top twelve of their position? Like, haven't haven't <laughs> haven't Cooper Cup and uh, Robert Woods been? I mean, maybe not top twelve, but they've been like top fifteen, both of them, for a few years. I think both are on pace to be top twelve at one point. It was kind of historic, and um, and then there was injuries. But I know I also read that Sean McVay being new to the league, being pretty smart, running a lot of three wide receiver sets in some some unique ways, and the defense is taking a second to adjust. I, I think the normal has been the last two years, and I'm the way I said it on Twitter. I got a lot in a in a lot of trouble for it. Was I'm not sure Matthew Stafford is adds that much for fantasy than a well managed golf because I know Matthew Stafford is plenty much better than golf. Like 
And I got watched the tape a lot on that one, by the way. I was like, no, I'm accepting that Stafford's good. I just think the team had to work really hard to get good out of him. And I don't think Stafford is Peyton Manning. I don't think he's Aaron Rodgers. I don't think he shifts an entire offensive production by himself in the same way that once he lost Calvin Johnson, suddenly he had Kenny Golladay, and Kenny Golladay wasn't Calvin Johnson because he's not Calvin Johnson. And Woods and Cup are Woods and Cup, and they're good. But I, I don't know. You see what I, you see what I'm ranting about here? I, I do, <laughs> I do, and and I I think that I probably side closer to where you are than Stafford is going to come in and and be head and shoulders above. But the, I think the thing that Stafford may they may be able to do with Stafford that Stafford allows you to do is potentially add a few more uh, attempts. So like, I mean, I know they were up at like I, I think, 550 or something like that last year. And, and, but it will be a little bit, um, you know, better and better quality. But I, I, I think you're right. Like, I don't see that there's that much. See, meat it's on weird the bone. to say you see an ups, you see an improvement and it won't result in it. But I don't think the relationship to fantasy is that direct without a significant offensive output shift and i think a couple of years ago was a little inaccurate to look at and if you look at the average golf is kind of just slightly worse than stafford so i think the team will find it easier i think there will be more touchdowns maybe more passing attempts but like that can bleed out to the three games deshaun jackson is on the field and tutu atwell catches a touchdown and the rest of us get to do a victory lap we'll <laughs> never have to measure him again Maybe Van Jefferson catches 100 yards instead of, like, whatever he did, five. I don't know. <laughs> There's a Van Jefferson truth right there just really mad at me right now, and I, uh, I'm enjoying that. <laughs> um, you don't know his stat? No, I didn't bother. I'm not bothering to look him <laughs> up either. It's not going to happen. <laughs> I don't care. But, I mean, the team can improve without Cup and Woods going back to that historic pace, which was so rare um, and so phenomenal. And they are good, but like I don't think they're that. I think Sean McVay's introduction to the league had a lot to do with that output. The the interesting thing, though, to me is even though that conversation is happening with you, like, and I've seen you be embroiled in that. You know, the the you you on the the tweaking uh, nipples on this side saying the Rams suck, and and you know other other people are like, oh no, Stafford is gonna like even though. I, I don't think that it changes an awful lot to have Stafford in there aside from maybe, you know, somewhere between 50 and, and 100. You, you could see 100 extra targets. You could. Matthew Stafford could end up throwing the ball 650 times. And if that happens, that leaves a little bit more meat on the bone. But uh, I, I, I think the interesting thing for me is – even though there's this big contingent that thinks Stafford is going to be this huge upgrade to to um, Goff, Woods is still going off as the wide receiver 30. Cup is going off as the wide receiver 31. And so people are not backing up those, uh, you know, the 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 sentiments about Stafford coming in. Like you, there's still yeah. a lot of meat on the bone in, in terms of fantasy. And, and, where and that you goes back to uh, you saying I live in a bubble. And it's true. The hype I hear is all in this very sharp bubble where everyone's paying attention to the Rams and freaking June. You know, we all, <laughs> that's a different kind of bubble. I get it. 
So we all know they're being underdrafted. But here's the thing. I said they literally suck. And the counter-arguments were mostly, but they're underdrafted and they're top 24 wide receivers. I'm like, you see, that's what I'm saying, though. That's what they have been. Right. And doesn't it kind of suck if you're all pumping out all these off-season hype pieces and they're just what <laughs> they have been? That kind of sucks. I mean, if I could get more people or to convince me to go high, like if we're talking top 12, like it is going to be 600 passing attempts and they are going to return to that pace. Like I can get them there in projections. I had to do a little tweaking um, in terms of efficiency and career year and also the mix with Stafford versus the mix with Goff to get them at their, their, their top 24 wide receivers, essentially. But again, that's what we've seen the last two years, and I don't think that's what the hype around them is suggesting. They're relying on the floor, and that's everything they came back to me was how underdrafted they are. I'm like, great, but is that really why we're writing so many articles and talking? I, you, it just seems like hedging your bet, which is fine in a draft pick, but if you're talking nothing but Rams all off season, they're going to be great. And then they hit their flaws, which is what they should do. And the low ADP is because of a bad market with a sharp group inside it. Then doesn't that kind of suck? You were really kind of hinting at more than that. <laughs> I, but I no, wish, one's, no one will go in on it. And I'm like, I, that kind of sucks. <laughs> I, I wish that I could hold up my notebook to the screen and you could read it because I've got Woods and Cup and then I've got a little bracket, and then I said, "This seems like an absolute hedge." And like, yeah, like and it's you just said like I'm drafting them there too, and think, but I'm not like, "Woo!" But I think that, I but mean, I think the hedges, I think the hedges, you don't know. Like, I really believe that one of them will be a top twelve wide receiver this year. I think it's going to be Cooper Cup. That's mm-hmm. where I'm making my bets. But I have the hedge. Wood. The hedge is we don't know. And so I think that's why they're both down at 30 because one of them is going to be a top 12 or top 15 and the other one is going to be a top 24 and or a top 30 and and so it's it's the, the hedge is okay we're 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 going to put them both at 30 because nobody knows which one is going to do it you know with with Stafford I mean it's the old conundrum where you know wide receivers don't do well traditionally uh, outside of um, you know the Bills last year was Stephon Diggs. Wide receivers changing teams traditionally don't do as well. Well, is it the same thing with quarterbacks coming in with new wide receivers? I mean, like, is that going to be an issue where you don't know who uh, is on the same page with with Stafford and if Stafford is going to need to change things in that offense or if he can come in and 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 just kind of you know assume status quo uh, you know so I think that's the hedge yeah and I think that's fair I mean it's not like I'm like this is this is lying <laughs> or anything because we I mean we all have to have a range of outcomes in mind and but the the question I have to you about the Rams though and the interesting thing to me about the Rams is uh, Cam Akers right now is going off the board as the running back six, and that's the that is the the real question I have with the Rams because I, there are a lot of people who are real big Cam Akers fans. I mean, I liked him coming out, but running back six is pretty lofty right now. Yeah, here's the thing: um, Cam Akers is a great. Well, priced player, but is a risky one. I mean, that's that kind of what the game is. There's 12 potential in his rookie profile. There really is. He was a great yeah. prospect. 
Um, and I got into trouble on this one on Twitter. Just <laughs> like all I'm saying is he had a below average share of that offense in his rookie season compared to most players who go on to have top 12 seasons. And I, I spent an entire Twitter thread with people explaining to me the reason that he had a below average share was because it took him a while in this context. I'm like, I know all of that. <laughs> I'm taking a really big sample of players, a macro example. I go, you can't look at it from a macro lens. It's like, this is really the only way to compare the average. I look at a, a, a large sample of players. All of them had reasons or committees or draft capital or a whole bunch of stuff that affected their ability to get on the field and earn that opportunity in their rookie season. And without adjusting every player for every context, his was below average. That doesn't mean he can't happen, but you have to accept that that context, which we can't really prove is more worthy um, of resulting in a below average share of the offense, was just below average. I mean, he wasn't able to put Daryl Henderson out of the way quick enough or effectively enough to earn what most rookie QB running backs, sorry, who go on to have top 12 seasons do. And he had fine draft capital and a great rookie profile. So that just raises a question. Doesn't mean the upside isn't there. So I respect the ADP. But what I find myself thinking is I would probably rather take, you know, Clyde Edwards Lair later who did have that opportunity share, has lower expectation, and I'm paying less, and has a floor and the same ceiling. I mean, believe it or not, they have the same ceiling because the Chiefs offense could really ride, I think, and Clyde Edwards led to a top 12 season as well. I got into that very start of this offseason with them, um, none other than the dynasty of Dan analytics himself, and... <laughs> Uh, Jason Jordan McNamara. Um, I did an interview about with him on his podcast about writing a chapter for his book, and he really doesn't see the potential. I'm like, it wouldn't take a lot for him to be included in the receiving game or the offense, which continuously pushes high level of touchdown efficiencies to swing Clyde Edwards Lair's way. He didn't get that role so much. And also, I saw him also get stuffed several times on the goal line in a row. <laughs> but I mean, that's variance. If they keep giving him those goal line touchdowns on that offense, eventually you score some touchdowns. So will he do it? Probably not. But the upside is also there for less. And he will have more. We can be more confident he's going to get, you know, a 55, 50% share of that running back opportunity, which means he's at least startable. Um, there is by far more upside in Cam Akers, so I think he should be drafted higher because he his college profile doesn't have the weaknesses that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is a little less likely to improve given the context of the way their situations... Like, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was the guy from day one. That's what he did. Yeah. And Cam Akers, maybe, because of the context, he could earn a 60% opportunity score, which Clyde Edwards-Hilaire probably won't, and get to be a top 12. There's an easier path there. So the ADPs are correct, but, but he was below average. So I'm just more willing to fade into those uh, later round running backs, especially with running backs in general. Jesus. <laughs> Sorry. I you didn't always mean... get them wrong. I <laughs> always get yeah. them wrong. Yeah. Um, having said all that, like there, like something Kevin O'Brien, I know you've listened to um, Kevin O'Brien relaunching the FF Engineering podcast. If, if yes, there's sir. one man I know who's listened to it, it's going to be you. <laughs> yeah. 
borrowing from his brilliance, something that I, he said that I've just expanded to include everywhere, or I want to expand to include everywhere. He was talking about something very specific, but he said taking into the context of the year is really important. He was talking about draft strategies in general, but like if this is a year when you think we're going to get a lot wrong with running backs, it's a good time to fade Cam Akers. If you think this is a year we're going to get a lot right with running backs, it's a good year to go in on Cam Akers. How you judge that, I don't know. It's just a thing Kevin said, and I keep finding it relevant. Um, and what I was just doing some weird frick. Where did I put that? I was looking at um, how accurate we've been at ADP. It's something I did a couple years ago, and then I didn't get a lot of response from it in the article I wrote, so I just kind of forget, forgot it, to be honest with you. Um, but it actually turned out to be relatively true. I guess I should have written a follow-up. It's a weird lens to look at it through, especially when we've got all these player, individual player evaluations. Like, I can't, I'm not disagreeing with the top 12 running backs. I just know we were a little too <laughs> accurate last year. And the last time I said this was 2018, when like we only missed on 33% of the players we drafted in the top 12. The next year, we missed on 50% in 2019. So it worked, is what I'm saying. And the other thing is, wide receiver 66 percent of the wide receivers who drafted in the top 12 didn't finish there believe it or not we were drafting obj in the top 12 this time last year mm, some of us were so like <laughs> we should get a little more accurate and having said that i don't know how we're going to do that because according to may adp we've got like um freaking jamar chase and um uh cd lamb up there which i don't know how you feel but feels feels pretty hot to me I feel like half of that will happen. I think I think CD Lamb is going to be fantastic. I really do, and I think Dak comes back. I think you're going to see you know 600 and some odd targets, you know, and accurate targets. And I think that that Cooper and CD Lamb are going to toy with that that being a, a one of the pair that are in the top twelve. But I, I like this theme of talking about what everyone else is getting wrong. This is cool. Uh, like top 12 running backs, like Antonio Gibson is running back 13. <laughs> no. Um, but Najee Harris is a top 12 running back. This is May ADP. I've got to update for June, but let's just roll with it. Like, who do you think people are getting really wrong at running back? Uh, no. And so, uh, again, we, we talk cam makers. I think that's that's so high. Uh, at six for him, mm -hmm. I'd have to. Uh, I've got. I see. We're gonna have to get on the same page, Peter, because I've got June. I've got June eighty well, people. I've up. got May. What do you want to do? I'll pull up the website. <laughs> but I, like the 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 tough thing about running back though is the really good running backs are approaching that age where people are starting to get scared of them. So yeah. McCaffrey turned 25 last week. Barkley's 24. Dalvin Cook is going to turn 26 in August. Kamara's going to turn 26 in July. Zeke turns 26 in July. Derrick Henry's already 27. Aaron Jones turns 27 this season. So, like, that whole list, these guys are getting pushed down because people are already out on the, the age. I mean, I saw a tweet the other day that's, that said, you know, Todd Gurley – Fell off the cliff. And, and I mean, we've said this about running backs. It, it mm -hmm. certainly happens. And elite running backs. I mean, David Johnson, Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell, and on and on and on, outside of Adrian Peterson, all of the top running backs have fallen off, you know, precipitously. And we're right at that point for several of these uh, top 
tier running backs. But the the problem I think for me is the guys coming behind them don't have the overall or most of the guys coming behind them don't have that overall upside that you see of a McCaffrey and a Barkley and a Cook and a Kamara because they don't have that they don't have that 50 or 60 catch you know cushion that that those players do so like I I don't see I mean you're gonna have to you're gonna have to really work to make me see a world where Cam Akers and DeAndre Swift are gonna have 50 or 60 catches I really don't see it with Swift. I don't. I don't. Swift had a below average rookie profile as well, from my perspective, which puts him in the Clyde Edwards Lair. And I believe people that told me he was better. Same with Clyde Edwards Lair. Then he got draft capital and an interesting landing spot, at least. He's more of a receiver than most of those rookie running backs in the NFL, at least. Um, but like to get him up to like the 60% rushing opportunity, like you have to believe. And I'm not a big believer. It might come through pretty well i don't have a lot of faith <laughs> um derrick henry like i actually re-looked at career year because it's kind of crazy that like this is when dynasty folks get scared but there's really no reason to expect uh, saquon barkley or christian mccaffrey to fall off a cliff in year four like this is mid-career no. for those types yes. of running backs we're we're in the middle not the end and um, will they stop being top 12 running backs at some point? Sure. And their value will definitely tank this time next year. But they should be top 12 running backs last year, all things considered. And um, Henry, I have a little concern about just because of his touch threshold. And that's work that TJ Hernandez does. And I have trouble believing that touches magically lead to regression when you're the t- running back touch leader, for example. But like TJ Hernandez really knows his stuff, especially with his small scale variants. So I'm just going to believe it that there's a there's potential with Derrick Henry to fall off the cliff. And frankly, he's the oldest one of the group if you're looking for something to really fear. <laughs> and none of these guys really increase in value just because of where they're ranked, let alone because of their age and because of Dynasty. And I think Nick Chubb falls in that conversation. I really thought I'd be able to target Nick Chubb this offseason, but because he's 25, I guess, and hasn't yet done it, like the, the hype is real on him. I really think he could be a top 12 running back this year. He's actually one of the ones in the top 12 I really like. But I didn't think we'd be valuing him there. But so I was saying, he's, he's going off the board at like RB seven, which yeah, it, too it high blows, for me. Yeah, blows my mind. I mean, Kareem Hunt is there. Kareem Hunt is going to catch passes there. Kareem Hunt is going to take a big enough chunk of the workload that I think Kareem Hunt is actually the value in that in that backfield where uh, you know you've you've got him going back around running back twenty four. And he's he's got just as much potential to be a top twelve running back as Chubb does. Yeah, he's one of the guys that carried me in the Scott Fishball last year, uh, Kareem Hunt. And guess what? He's going to have the potential to do that again. He's the one that we're getting out of value with a decent workload. I, I don't. Yeah. Like I really want to like Nick Chubb. I actually kind of like this hot ranking for him, but for hot <laughs> value, as as that's a that's a lukewarm at best value. Like, he could be the running back one this year, and he will never meet this value. Yeah. Like, he'll never get this back from him. So, why the dynasty folks be, be tripping, I guess. <laughs> um, Alvin Kamara without Drew Brees got, got concerns? Yes, uh, but if it ends up being more uh, Jameis Winston than uh, not, I, I'm, I'm happier. Uh, like I, I think, I think Winston. If Winston is the starting quarterback, they throw the ball 
pretty similarly in terms of volume to to Drew Brees, and I think that Kamara sees a, a good chunk of that. See, if Evan Kamara is one of those ones like the guys I listen to on value at least or value changes, like John Bosch, who's currently on vacation. So everyone tweet him and tell him he's an <laughs> you know really mean person for being gone right now. <laughs> but um, he says Alvin Kamara is ranked too high. I, that's one of the things I've seen him mention in passing, at least. Don't quote me. And I don't like of these top 12, I'm like, yeah, I, I'm least concerned about Kamara because I think the floor is fantastic. I think his trade value, he's 25 too. If we're high on Nick Chubb, like, right. well, I don't see a reason to be overly concerned. Drastic difference of opinions <laughs> so it's the it's the it's the Taysom hill though that is the question and it, I'll, mm. I'll send you uh, i don't know if you've read uh denny carter did a uh, a really good piece this past week about running quarterbacks yes. and the running backs that are tied to them and i think that's the concern with somebody like kamara is if you're tied to Taysom hill and Taysom Hill's first instinct when the pocket collapses is to run. And I think that's the same thing. I think, to me, J.K. Dobbins is the player that is ranked way too highly in Dynasty because everybody is sitting there looking at J.K. Dobbins. And maybe he's not now because he's at running back 14, but I, don't, I really don't think there's much meat on the bone there because you're not getting the pass-catching upside. Because Lamar Jackson's first instinct when that pocket collapses is not to dump the ball off to a running back. It's to run himself. That's that's his best feature. Good. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, I mean, we like, like that. <laughs> his ability to freestyle once a play breaks down it is his calling card. And I think that, I mean, obviously Taysom Hill is not the same type of runner. But it's that same fight or flight. It's the Taysom Hill lizard brain. That that could be the the name of the show. Uh, but it, it is. It's it's that Taysom Hill lizard brain that says, "Okay, I'm in trouble. I'm going to run instead of okay, I'm in trouble. I need to check down to the the running back." And, and that's what Drew Brees had. Drew Brees had the okay, I'm in trouble, Kamara, and that was great because you're seeing you know eighty or or ninety or a hundred targets for Kamara you probably are not seeing that with Taysom Hill. I think there's a chance that you see that with Jameis Winston. And so that's the that's the one little kind of concern I would have is not that it's a new quarterback, but it, that it's a new type of quarterback. And and I, I've been looking a lot at that and, and tying running backs. I mean, it's the same thing in Buffalo with, with Josh Allen. Their running backs are not ever going to be players that I target. Because Josh Allen eats those the the yards that you would normally get on dump offs and screens and and checkdowns, he eats those up with his his five hundred yards rushing. Every time I open up a sheet, I just think, oh god, I got to update all of this. <laughs> <laughs> but part of the problem with running back fourteen for me is like that denotes his upside and his downside. It sounds like a very fair rank until you realize we take those first fourteen running backs off the board by round three in a dynasty right. startup. And there's just a lot of downside with a top 24 running back being drafted that highly. And no matter how young he is, there's just a lot of value loss and you don't get the difference making production and you just stuck with it. He's going, and, right, he's going right in between Najee Harris and Clyde Edwards Hilaire. And I think both of those players have higher upside than, than Dobbins because I, I think you're going, I think you're going to see Najee Harris. Najee Harris is the guy that I want in this group of the top 15 running backs. 
at, at cost. So he's being taken outside of the top 12. He's being taken at running back 13. And in Pittsburgh, where you've seen them feature a running back in both, uh, you know, put the ball in his belly and go, and in the passing game in James Connors in the last two or three years when Connor was healthy, Najee Harris has got huge, huge volume potential in both the passing game and the running game. And that is the that is a guy I think that can creep up. He I I would say he probably finishes this year at running back eight. That's 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 just off the top of my head. That's that's probably where Najee Harris is gonna go. And if you can get him right now at, at running back 13, that's a that's a pretty big pretty big chunk there. I mean, you're gaining five spots. Why why do we fear age in the top 12, right? Uh, talking about, you know, worrying about Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley because they're 25 and 24. Right. That's crazy. Yeah, just let, just let that one sit for a second. I'm really worried <laughs> about this 24-year-old. Just sit well, on and, that for a and second. I think, but I Melvin think, Gordon hasn't just been cooked by the draft, whereas James Robinson definitely was. That's the take I'm getting to, but carry on. <laughs> oh, no, Melvin Gordon was cooked. Melvin Gordon was cooked too, but but we'll we'll, we'll we can talk about that in a minute. But, like, it is. It's, but I also think the other thing that you're seeing with McCaffrey and Barkley, and I, I've seen this in a couple of, of group DMs, I've seen this a couple of times on Twitter, is people are worried because McCaffrey and Barkley got hurt last year. And people drafted them highly, and they lost. And, and we have this little psychological thing that says, oh, no, I can't draft him because he cost me last season which is completely wrong. I mean, McCaffrey had a high ankle sprain, right? That's what that's what he had last year. High ankle sprain. They tried to bring him back too quickly. It worked up. His He pulled the quad, and so they shut him down again. That's the same injury, the same injury that Alvin Kamara had two years ago, and everyone was like, oh, we can't draft Kamara because he got hurt. And then this past year, he was running back one by 60 fantasy points. I mean, like – People fading fading McCaffrey because he had a, a high ankle sprain last year blows my mind. I, I fully expect him to come back and be Christian McCaffrey and be a top three running back this year. I mean, and, being scared of Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley, but really worried about Melvin Gordon. That yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Um, I guess you know, just get get over it would be. I guess the only thing I. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I drafted Patrick Mahomes and Kyler Murray in the Scott Fishball last year, and they let me down the two weeks I was in the death match. <laughs> and I just have to kind of get over that. I mean, that's, yep. that's, that's the way it works. And, and that's also the problem with running backs early, but those are the guys you take early if you're going to take one. Right. But, you know? I mean, that's, that's, why, that's why everyone hates the, the guys saying zero RB because it, it's not really zero RB or not. It's... It's the fact that last year McCaffrey got hurt and Barkley got hurt, and you're and you're pissed off that the guy who played zero RB in your league ended up winning because he had James Robinson. That's a, actually back to the TJ Hernandez article. And if you don't know who he is, I haven't followed. Like get get out from under oh, that no, rock and go meet him at four for four. He's I really like him. Um, just he's an edge finder, and we need more of that. He's really good, but um. What struck me about that article is how much of a solved question it is that zero RB is the edge. 
in PJ's world where numbers matter and we're talking about best ball leagues, when you take our ability to, fu- to make right. stuff roster, it's a, it's a solved question. Zero RB, anti-fragility is the best strategy. It wins, like it has a higher win, a pers- win percentage significantly above every, like the only thing that comes a little bit close is like hero RB, where you take one running back and then wide receiver, tight end and quarterback. Right. But it is a sole, it's not an open debate. And yet on my Twitter feed, the only time zero RB is mentioned is in as in the death of. And it's like, no, this is a solved question that it works. It's not a hypothetical. It works best. And um, once you take your ability or our ability to Ooh. make mistakes out of the equation, if everyone is doing it, I do think there's a change there. Like if everyone yeah, adopts zero RB, then you're probably seeing a decrease in win percentage. But right now, especially where at least the dynasty world or what I think of as my small old bubble, the dynasty world as they think zero RB died last year. Last year was one of the best years for zero RB that we've ever had. And it's just because we didn't hit the right players or you didn't make the right roster decisions that it couldn't have worked. Cause we have that fallibility built like zero RB doesn't mean don't ever draft a running back. It doesn't. It just means draft draft running backs in the places that it is has the the most chance of benefiting you. It's it's a cost benefit analysis. It's it's don't sink huge uh, capital into running backs early because they have a tendency to get hurt at a higher rate than other positions. It's the anti fragility. It's it's you know McCaffrey and Barkley and and it's that whole. That, exactly what happened last year and people see zero rb and they think wow you you can't win a league if you don't draft a running back well it's no it's not don't draft a running back i mean i was in i was in uh the playoffs and in championships last year with backfields of kareem hunt and james robinson and salvan ahmed and giovanni bernard and like that it it worked it worked. And if I hadn't run into uh, stacks of Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs, I, you know, I would have been paying for my leagues for the next three years instead of the next year. Again, this goes back to the thing I was saying where like only four, 40% of players that finished top 12 were drafted outside the top 12. That's two guys we literally weren't drafting. Also, Aaron Jones and David Montgomery. And right. that was highly accurate. Those four guys, uh, I can't remember who the other guy is, probably James Robinson. (laughs) I'm thinking that's highly accurate. 2019, the running back 20, 16, 26, and 41. Those were in the top 12. Like, that's more common. Like, we get running back wrong a lot. I don't want to tell you. We get wide receiver wrong a lot as well, but it doesn't matter as much and doesn't provide as much upside when you get them right outside the top 12 and in fact fewer wide receivers are drafted outside the top 36 that finish inside the top 12 than at running back so the deeper you go the more likely you should be taking running back shots the the myth of vacated targets and with running backs there's a lot more a lot better chance that somebody gets hurt and the next running back is going to come in and and at least be some percentage, some reasonable facsimile of the guy in front of him. I mean, obviously, it doesn't Alexander work. Alexander Madison, it works almost <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. time. I mean, it's it's obviously not one for one, but it's but like you end up with okay. Two years ago, you had a running back one in Leonard Fournette in Jacksonville, and then Leonard Fournette moves on, and they uh, basically 
say, okay, we're going to give all the touches to James Robinson, and then you have a running back one in James Robinson. Like it's it's not obviously it doesn't work quite like that. It's but it's a lot more of. I mean, it can happen, though, as a wide receiver. I don't care how many Nelson Aguilar's you throw at the problem. You're not going to end up with a Julio Jones. Just- right. <laughs> right. But but it's it's a lot more – running back is a lot more of an elevator to me, and, and wide receiver is a lot more of an escalator. Like, I, I think that it's a lot harder to Fair. get to be the wide receiver one on a team than it is to be the running back one, at least in touches and – because it's so volume dependent and there are, and there are fewer players playing that position. I mean, like when you're lining up in your offense, there's generally one running back out there. There are generally three, four wide receivers out there. So it, it just stands to reason that it, it would be easier to come in and take over as a running back than it would be to have, you know, your wide receiver one get hurt. The guy coming in is not going to assume the wide receiver one position. I actually got distracted there because we weren't talking about the elephant in the room or the little tiny micro mouse. Like Austin Eckler is a top 12 running back. Thoughts? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> look, if he's healthy, he'll probably produce like that. But I, 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 I don't know. I mean, like what, <laughs> what, 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 do, what do I want from you? I want an accurate predict. I want to know the future, Zach. Just tell me. I mean, don't I think that it to yourself. I think that I be- really want it to happen, but. I'd be drafting some some other guys around that. I think that it's going to be interesting because the startup value of Eckler and the practical, like, already established league value of Eckler are going to be two different things. I think in a startup, you sit there and you go, oh, I can have a, a running back now that's going to score. I think in an already established league, a lot of people are looking at going, oh, he's almost 27. I mean, we're back to that. Like, so I think that in a in an established league, he's probably a value. In a startup, I don't know if I'd be able to take him over somebody like Najee Harris or Ezekiel Elliott, even. Um, but he's, I mean, he's he's not. It's not a terrible value because Eckler's another one of those guys who who could be in the top five. Like he's he's got the ability as a pass catcher. He'll probably have the volume if he's healthy. So I don't hate that you know, being a top 12 running back, there's, there's meat on the bone there, but I, I don't know how many more years you're going to have with, with Eckler. And I think that's the, the question that established leagues pose. You down on the Miles Sanders bursty little fella. I mean, a lot, he's a lot of burst. <laughs> he's, he's again, I, I love the player. Uh, I like his skill set. I am dubious of where he is, and if his quarterback is Jalen Hurts, I think that really hurts his pass-catching upside. So then you're relying on what he gets as a runner, and that's not Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders is best when you can get him out in space, when you can get him the ball through the air. He's fantastic. But it's going to be hard to do that with Jalen Hurts, who, again, is is a very good running quarterback, is a guy who, when he's in trouble, is going to run the ball. So it's, yeah, I it's, think Philadelphia is now just one of those teams that it doesn't just, it, it's not like Jacksonville or anything where I immediately deduct five points <laughs> per game off my expectation. But I mean, I'm less happy with players that are in Philadelphia right now. Like, I don't, it's not a bad landing spot, but I'm waiting it, to see them do something good again. They've become, <laughs> it's the on sh- the, I don't know if they're a good team yet. 
They become like, the shitty patriots. Yeah, yeah, like, basically. Yeah. <laughs> like, I would love... Jalen Wrangler is not enough of a discount for me right now. I, I did draft him in a startup because I needed some to reach for some potential value upside. <laughs> but, um, like, the hit rate on disappointing wide receivers is heavy, and I don't think Philadelphia is enough. Or moving to the <laughs> slot or any of the off-field narratives going on right now, especially not at the lack of discount. Like, he's dropped by three rounds, but, I mean, you have to pay more than he cost last year, which is not a discount, people, and that's not how the discounts work. <laughs> Um, otherwise, is there anyone from last year's class that you're kind of targeting? I'm finding because everyone loves 2020, like the value is all elevated just because it's a 2020 class. <laughs> like, uh, J- Jerry Judy's dropped by around an ADP, but I don't think he's trading for less. No, for and he, he he's he's a guy that I've been kind of you know, banging the drum for, uh, I, I tweeted out, I don't know, it was a couple weeks ago. Cause like I said, I haven't really done much, uh, fantasy content. I've been, I've been doing more musical numbers, but, um, I, I tweeted out a, a thread a couple weeks ago and, and said that Jerry Judy is a, a player that I am targeting because his perceived value has dropped. His perceived yeah. value is, he didn't play well last year, and he dropped a lot of balls. Well, he, he did. He did play well last year. I mean, he yeah. had 850 yards. He had more than a 20 percent target share. Cortland Sutton coming back actually helps him because Jerry Judy is a player out of the slot. And whether or not you subscribe to this, it's I've seen it happen again and again where I can look at a player and say, okay, they're going to be better as a slot player with a good wide receiver opposite them, a la Riley, I mean, Calvin Ridley, a la Chris Godwin. I mean, like Jarvis Landry was the same way. Like you can see that happening. Juju Smith Schuster was the same way. Like that, that's a player that I am interested in. And, and I don't care. You could stuff your drops. I don't care about those. Those do not matter. They don't matter to us at all in fantasy, and they barely matter to to the NFL teams. No, they're not sticky, and they're not typically the fault of the wide receiver or the tight end or anyone else for that matter. It's just a thing that happens. Um, No, uh, the last time I I wrote – that was part of that article I wrote where the last time I saw a wide receiver do above expected as a rookie season then drop in value and was Tyler Boyd. Um, but we dropped him 10 rounds. We've only dropped Jerry Judy one, so I guess we're learning. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, the average is 600 yards and a 17% target share for a rookie wide receiver who goes on to have fantasy-relevant seasons. And yeah. and Judy did more than that. So that's, again, above average. It doesn't mean everything. In the same way that Cam Akers being below average, it doesn't mean everything or anything. But that's where the average is. I don't know what to tell you. And he was above it. So do you think he's better than Colin Sutton or better for fantasy, should we say? I think better for fantasy, but but again, that goes back to the way I play. So I tend to try to find players that I think are going to drive high volume as yeah. opposed to players that are going to and, – and maybe that's backwards because I know that air yards is is the, the thing where, you know, you're trying to get the, the ball downfield. In it. But I think that for me, air yards – kind of depicts breakouts like the, the guys who have a lot of air yards and not much production you you have a a, a chance there's you know one or two or three more yeah, of those regressive. balls connect and mm-hmm. you have a you know you have a chance to to hit big but but i usually play where i'm looking for the ways to score points the easiest 
So uh, running backs is pass catching. With receivers, it's the guys who drive volume, especially out of the slot because they're high percentage throws. They're throws that happen a lot, especially with younger quarterbacks. Uh, and and so that's the type of player I like. And I, like, I like Cortland Sutton. I think he is a very good wide receiver, but I think he's a downfield wide receiver. I think he's right. a guy that, that ends up uh, in – Also in, harder to be successful at that with Drew Locke behind the center. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, but, but and, yeah, I mean, that's I, I really like Jerry Judy, but he's going ahead of uh, Sutton right now, isn't he? Yeah, by two or three spots. Yeah. Um, the, the sin in the wide receiver ranks right now is DJ Chark being ranked, but also DJ Chark <laughs> being ranked ahead of Tyler Lockett. Like, get, oh get out of here, you people. <laughs> like respect respect the crime <laughs> um anyway uh is there any situation you're particularly interested to see how it works out or something like that or that you think people are misreading or you don't know how to read i mean the the really curious situation and this is kind of cliche and it's one that you've gone over i know but but the situation in pittsburgh with with cup and deontay johnson i mean not cup uh juju and deontay johnson because I was like, going to ask about Pittsburgh. <laughs> I, I, like I'm, I'm, I'm a juju guy, and and I have been, you know, the the my the whole time. My, the whole, the whole, I've been time. out here the whole time. <laughs> and 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 look, I I liked Deontay Johnson. He's a guy I have on several rosters because you could get him in the third round, and I liked what he did downfield in college. What he's done in the NFL is not what I expected him to do. I expected him to be a field stretcher. And yeah. all of a sudden, Ben Roethlisberger can't do that. Like, he, like he can't. I mean, throw the Juju's ball. operating so close to the line of scrimmage, he's basically not moving before he's throwing yeah. to him. He's just standing there, like I'm right here, Ben. Whenever you need, uh-huh. he's just like the, you know, what's the guy that stands behind the batter in your sport? He's just right there, ready the to ca- catch the, it in case the catcher. Ben misses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the catch. <laughs> Very technical name, I know. Try to keep up, <laughs> but he's just there, just in case Ben misses, like essentially, and he just catches it when he drops it and runs with it. And that's basically Juju's job last year, and and was efficient at that job, by the way. Like he was uh, producing more yards than most at that area of the field because that's all Juju does. He does better than anyone else can do whatever role you give him. Like, how do you not like that guy? And he yeah. drives volume. There you go. Two wide receivers that have me like I'm out on, I'm below average on ADP, but I respect that I could be strongly owned is Brandon Ayuk and Chase Claypool. Because Chase Claypool already beat me once, and I'm going back in again, baby. Because <laughs> if I was wrong, if his production lied from college and he's actually much better than he seemed to be, which is possible he played in Canada, that's the excuse we came up with. Um, then the only thing separating, like, he's the most Calvin Johnson-like physically uh, other than maybe DK Metcalf in the NFL right now. So the upside for Chase Claypool is actually pretty immense. Now, what I think happened is actually he just caught way too many touchdowns. I don't think he's as good as what we saw last year. But he already beat me once, and if I can admit that, I can admit that if he does it again, I'm in for a wild ride of not having uh, not having a lot of Chase Claypool. Um, and Brandon Ayuk, similar story. I didn't know what to make of Brandon Ayuk. He had a good year and a bad year, and his rookie year was good. So, again, where I don't own a lot of them, both of them have the potential of, like, making me tilt for the next five, <laughs> ten years. Um, 
either of those you're highly in on or highly out of or don't know either <laughs> we, we no we're we're pretty much in lockstep uh with especially with claypool where the the hype got so big because he had a couple of games in a row where he scored two or three touchdowns he had 11 touchdowns last year he had not multiple had, touchdown games as well. Yes, yeah, yeah, he, he had not nine receiving touchdowns and two rushing touchdowns. So, look, if they're going to keep using him all over the field, then yeah, fine. We're going to have to like come to grips with the fact that he is not only uh, a, a physical specimen, but also a mismatch in in different places. Like if they're smart enough to use him, uh, a couple times they were using him on like jet sweeps inside the five, which is nasty because he is very big. I mean, he's 6'4", 240. Mm-hmm. He runs very fast. I mean, like, he's, he's just this incredible athlete. And if you can get him in motion already, so he's already up to speed and then give him the ball and, and the defense is trying to react from a stationary position, like, that's incredible. But But it's hard to see – Without manufacturing touches, him being a, a huge producer for fantasy. I mean, and, and relying on touchdowns is a that's a bad way to play this. Juju's yeah. cheaper than all of these guys right now, which again makes it very easy to be on Juju's team. Well, and, <laughs> and Juju, Juju finished ahead of all of these guys in terms of of fantasy points last year. Like that, he he did crazy, he, right? He, yeah. <laughs> I know, right? We're, we're, we're somewhat so, so good again towards the end of the year, and everyone forgets it. I thought Kyle Pitts was the next Calvin. Yeah. Um, where can people find you or find all these hot takes? Uh, they can find me in my living room uh, lately, but uh, we'll be as, as a general... <laughs> As a general rule, uh, the Dynasty Dummies on uh, the DFPN at work uh, with with J Mike at J Mike Check whenever I can get him, and and really the the whole DFPN you should be you should be following, you should be getting a hold of uh, Salito, Kevin Cotillo, Stephen Marcus, who are going to be doing the SFB Potathon. Uh, that's going to be worthwhile, and and also uh, Russ Fisher and uh, Matt Foreman and at FF Trader Joe, who uh, anytime you see me do anything that looks remotely intelligent on Twitter, it's probably Joe because he's the he's the brilliance behind what, <laughs> what whatever we're doing with the the dummies account and the DFPN account. We appreciate it. It's like always great to get to talk to you. And uh, thanks to everyone, all six of you for listening. Really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and they on the plays, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that, I, I like mortar, peak grinding numbers like molars. I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road. Go, clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play unfold. So, Jake on the table and they on the plays. Though, he enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road. Go. 
clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds, so Jake on the table and they on the players though. The, uh, the the interesting player I think this year that could break out that's in kind of that uh, that ilk is and he switched teams so that kind of sucks but but it should be a similar system is Curtis Samuel uh, ending up in Washington and you saw him be one of the the leaders in air yards last year and this year he's got a better downfield quarterback. And I say that, Ryan Fitzpatrick, do you remember two years ago when we were on this podcast and I said, I am in on Mike Evans this year because Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be playing quarterback. And this is the first time that he's had a quarterback who can throw him the ball 